Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, I am here with Zofar. Holy crap, I'm talking to Zofar. I have been on your website since it launched, I think. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Good. It's exciting to talk to you. I, you know, since I started Retro RGB, I've, I've crossed paths a couple of times with people that I talked to back in the 90s when I had my site, you had your site, and it was it's just so such a trip to uh, just to see each other again after all these years. I don't think we interacted too much, but I, everybody knew who you were, obviously. Everybody in the emulation scene. So, I appreciate that. I'm glad uh, glad you visited it. Glad you enjoyed it. Definitely uh, feels weird coming back a little bit after 20, uh, 20 plus years, but um, I was impressed at just how, how many people still remembered, uh, remembered the old days and everything uh, that we did. Absolutely. So for for any of the younger crowd that's listening, would you give just a very quick uh, overview of what Zofar's domain and Zofar's realm was and, 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 and just like the short version and then we'll get back to the beginning in a minute because I want to hear this story myself. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. So Zofar's domain was and is an emulation uh, centered website that I created back in uh, November of 1996. Uh, the whole idea behind it was back then. I was a teenager. I was 16 years old when I, you know, created the site and uh, I just wanted to play video games and have fun. And uh, the next generation consoles the, back then, next generation was PlayStation, Saturn, uh, N64, you know, had come out recently. And uh, I found myself really wanting to play my old Nintendo Genesis and Super Nintendo games because to me, you know, five, six, seven years ago was incredibly retro and old. Uh, but uh, <laughs> my system stopped working. Uh, the Nintendo you, you would sit there blowing on the cartridges, which, of course, we know now you don't do that. But what it'll be your <laughs> kids, right? Like, no, it's working. It's, it's going to make it better. So, um, you know, half my system just stopped working. Sega CD wouldn't read my disc. So I turned to uh, the Internet to see if there was another solution for someone that just wanted to play their old games again. And uh, I found out that there were some programs out there called emulators. Uh, but there were all different kind of sites that, like, just had pieces of the puzzle. Like one site had the Nintendo emulator. One site had mm -hmm. the Super Nintendo emulator. Another one had a front end for it, which we can get into later what front ends were. Another site just had news about emulators. Nothing had everything in one place. So I said, well, it doesn't seem like it exists. So why don't I uh, go find a group of people that are awesome and we'll make it ourselves. And that's what we did. And that was uh, 25 years ago. That is such a trip because, you know, what's funny is there's a, a small chance that the site that was just news about emulation was mine, the emulatorium. <laughs> I had that for like two or three <laughs> years about at the exact same time. I think it was around 96, 97, 98. And then, uh, you know, I remember I had mine on GeoCities with a little counter and it hit a thousand at one point. Uh, I and I was, my mind was <laughs> a thousand people went to my site. It's, <laughs> you know, it's just uh, yeah, that is so funny. But I mean, it's. 
you know, it's basically the same origin story in that, like, I was just fascinated about different ways to play games and I couldn't keep, or a lot of people that I knew were trying to do it, a lot of people in the 90s, so like seven probably, but couldn't keep up with all of the different stuff being released. So I just slapped that together just as a fun thing and would would basically troll everybody else's sites for info. <laughs> and then as soon as I saw a new version pop up, I would list it. But I remember listening to your site back then because you had hosted a bunch of them. Oh, yeah. And and it's funny you said uh, what how you basically got information. Everybody did the same thing. The way that I got information to Zophar's domain is I would go to Archaic Ruins, Node99, if you remember these sites, mm-hmm. and then the emulator authors' websites themselves. Uh, and they would frequent uh, IRC, the old way you would chat you know, well before things like Discord. And so I would just constantly get the news that, that way, and I would pop the information right onto the, uh, onto the website, onto Zophar's domain. That's funny. And so you were actually hosting the emulators in a lot of these cases, right? Um, Sometimes linking back to the developer, but sometimes actually uploading them on your site. Yeah, in some cases. So for example, uh, Icer Addis, who created um, some of my favorite emulators of all time, which were Nestigal, the Nintendo emulator, Genesis, the Genesis emulator that he created, and uh, a little lesser known one called Callus, which was Mm -hmm. a CPS uh, arcade emulator. Think like Street Fighter 2 and uh, Quiz and Dragons and those that that era of Capcom games, uh, mm-hmm. and I I have Zofar's domain hosted the official mirror site to those. We called them shrines. There was a shrine to Nesticle, a shrine to Genesis, a shrine to Callus, and it would have you know everything that was on his site. It would have news information updates. It would have the the mirrored files. Um, we hosted the ZS Ness official mirror. We also hosted some emulators, like there was one uh, called Nestin. You may or may not remember mm-hmm. um, the predated uh, FCU. And uh, that was the official emulator site was right there on Zofar's domain. And we also hosted some other websites as well. Like, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Shining Force Central, which is a big shrine to the Shining Force series. Um, Mm -hmm. That used to be on Zofar's domain as well. Shiningforcecentral.zofar.net was the URL. So we had quite a few websites like that, that originally Zofar's domain hosted. And then they eventually broke out and, you know, became their own, uh, their own thing. So it was, uh, it was an honor to be able to host a lot of these people that went on to do some amazing, amazing things. Far far more amazing than anything I ever did, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> it's so funny, too, because if you think about, like, we're, we're, we must be about the same age then. And, you know, you think of us as kids back then. And my favorite things in the world were, like, you know, anything electronic related, especially video games, like heavy metal. And then I got into beer, even, you know, probably way too younger than I should have. And then you fast forward 20-something years. And my favorite things are heavy metal. I run a website about, you know, that does the same thing that I basically did in the 90s where I just get information and help promote other people's work. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm both proud of that and like a little weirded out. Like, did I really not grow up at all? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, speaking of age, I actually just turned uh, 42 yesterday. And, you know, it was it was funny. I was thinking about, oh, man, 42. It's all downhill from here. But then somebody <laughs> said yesterday, like, no, no, so far, you, you're not 42. You just leveled up. You reached level forty-two. I was like, ah, good point. Why did I never think of that? That is <laughs> so we're not getting awesome. we're, we're not getting older, Bob. We're, we're leveling up. We're getting I'm more experience gonna, points. I'm going to steal that <laughs> when I talk to my fellow nerds. Yeah, I'll be forty-one in July, so we were pretty close in age then. Yeah, so. very close. So I always wondered, how did you come up with the name Zofar? I was wondering if you were like Eastern European and that's actually your name or something, or is that just like a cool thing? So, so I got a friend so in, named Zoltan, so that's you know. <laughs> which is another awesome name. Interestingly, yes. although I am actually of Eastern European descent, that is actually true. That's not where the name 
for me came from. Although I know, you know, Zophar and biblical times and all of that. Uh, but no, that for me, the name actually came from a video game. It was the background that we were talking about a little bit earlier. Uh, it's from a video game called Lunar Eternal Blue, which originally came out on the Sega CD and then later on the PlayStation, mm -hmm. um, part of the Lunar series of games. So the idea was that Zophar was the final boss, really, really difficult boss that was really tough to get past, very persistent. I died on him so many times. Um, and his his final dungeon where you would battle him was named Zophar's Domain. Um, we actually just streamed this game on Twitch a few a uh, few weeks ago and finished that off. But it was such a great game that really spoke to me. Really deep story, an amazing soundtrack, and exciting characters. Very anime style driven. But for me, the whole thing was that Zophar's Domain was like the whole game, and it was a long game. It was like you know fifty plus hours on average. You had to you know, battle through everything to get to Zophar's Domain. That was like where you wanted to go, where you wanted to be, where you wanted to finish it off. And then Zophar was just a super challenging persistent evil dude i'm not saying i'm evil but like he was persistent and you know he was trying to you know take over the world and you know bend things to his will and so i just thought you know that's that's kind of a cool idea of you know this this place that you're trying to get to and that once you get there it's everything that you know you've been looking for so i said well i'm just going to name the website zofar's domain it's going to be like this really cool mystical place that you can get all these things called emulators from that a lot of people hadn't heard of i had never heard of it you know a year prior to making the site um mm. and then i said well if it's going to be called zofar's domain whose domain is it i guess i'll just call myself zofar on the internet and uh i did <laughs> i named myself zofar and Zofar's domain was my domain, but I want to make make it clear right now that uh, that website was not just me. Far from it. I had so many great people over the years uh, that worked on that website, and if it hadn't been for the dozens and dozens of people that helped contribute articles and maintaining the sites and writing scripting for it, like we had a gentleman named Alan uh, who went by the name of Infi that created a lot of scripting in Perl, if you remember Perl, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, back mm -hmm. in the '90s, and he, you know, that that was the basis for things like our forums. It wasn't easy to find forms back then. Like, how would you post things? Like, this was the wild, wild west of the internet. So he helped, you know, to, to modify and, and code that for us. He coded polls for us back when no one was really doing polls. I, I loved putting polls up there, just asking people's feedback before the days of surveys. Again, I didn't know what any of this stuff was, but it's like, this would be really cool to get feedback. Let's go create a poll. Um, and that's kind of how uh, the name Zofar's domain and the name Zofar uh, took, took hold. That's awesome. That's so much cooler a story than mine. When I was a kid, I wanted something with heavy metal in the name and everything was taken <laughs> like Metal Bob or, you know, Guitar Bob or something. So I typed in the word metal and punched my keyboard and then it was like metal with a string of random numbers and letters after it. That was my screen <laughs> name for like five, six years or something. It made no sense. Terrible story, but it's <laughs> nice. the truth. So. Nah, it's all good. <laughs> it's awesome. So, um, you, when you started the site, it, you, it eventually transitioned over to being run by other people, and then it still was a hub for a place, still is a hub where you could get a ton of different emulators. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what that was like and, you know, why you passed it along and all that? Sure, sure. So basically, um, I, like I was saying, I founded it in November 9th of 96. And I ran the site for a little under four years. And it started out, interestingly enough, it was on GeoCities for a week. It was like my little beta test, um, putting it on GeoCities, which I couldn't tell you what the URL was anymore. Because as you remember, it was different numbers and names of like streets and who knows. So I don't know what that was, was called back then. But we eventually, you know, we launched it as Zofar's Domain. And we started out with a very small team of maybe four or five people. 
We had a person that made the graphics for it because I have no graphical talent whatsoever. We had a gentleman I was telling you about that did the programming for it. Um, we had another person that was cre helping to maintain the emulator uh, pages themselves with me. Um, and then there was me that was basically doing the rest, you know, uh, helping to update the site, always updating the news page. So it started out with just like the four of us. And then over time, it started to expand. We added more sections and we added more pages and we had a utility section and a translation section with the first uh, translation I ever saw, which was the Final Fantasy V Demi Force uh, translation project from uh, Steve Demeter. Um, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Ernie Smith um, from uh, Tedium. Uh, he's uh, author of the short form blog and he's on, uh, he's uh, on Twitter. Uh, he actually was the person that maintained our poll section for us in the beginning and wrote all the articles for Zofar's domain. And then he went on to, you know, do all kinds of journalistic activities. Awesome, awesome guy. He's still around. Um, but over the years, you know, about three years into it, the site had really ballooned and become incredibly popular. Now it's hosting things like save states and speed runs back before speed running was a thing. I just called them Zofar's domain contests. How fast can you get through a game? And they would submit little, I don't know if you remember this, the NSM files from Nesticle that locked yes. the controller inputs, which basically was like a movie, but instead of it being a giant file that, you know, you'd never be able to stream back in the nineties because of bandwidth and space limitations. Um, they were like, you know, 30, 40, 60 kilobytes. Um, but the site had become massive. And at one point we had over 20 people at one time working on that site. So pretty much I was working a good, so I was going to school, right? You know, I was in high school up until uh, you know, mid 98 and then I went to college and I'm trying to do all of that. At the same time, I'm trying to run Zofar's domain. The ad revenue that the site generated in the second half of, uh, of the time I maintained it, I was giving the vast majority of it to my team because I felt weird about keeping you know, ad revenue when all these people are helping to make the site what it is. So I was basically writing checks. Yeah, I was writing personal checks in the 90s, <laughs> um, just, you know, giving giving them the money that the site had generated for their hard work. And so when we got to 2000, to be totally honest, Bob, I was burned out. Um, I was updating that site at all hours of the night. There would be times where I would just be up at like two in the morning. Oh, you know, new emulator from Spain released. Uh, I don't know if you remember uh, ESNES. Um, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. different time zones. So like, oh, the new one's out. I got I to gotta get this up. I got to get the scoop. And I'd sit there and I'd update the thing and I'd put what was changed and I'd upload the file. And then I'd go on IRC and I'd say, hey, new ESNES up. And and it just, it became, you know, 60 to 70 hours a week um, on this website. And I, I loved it, but it just got to the point where I said, okay, well, the site is all I'm doing now. I really need to like decide what, I, what do I want to do? Like, you know, at that point I was still living with my parents. I had just turned 20 now and I'm like, gotta decide. Is this, is this what, like, if this is going to be my career, is this what I'm going to do? Is this really what I want? And I just decided that what I wanted, I wanted to start a family and I wanted to, you know, go finish uh, all, all kinds of things in school. And, you know, I had all these different ideas and dreams and things like that. And I just realized that if I was to do that and continue to own and run Zofar's domain, the site would just turn into something that I wouldn't have been proud of at that point. I wouldn't have been able to dedicate the attention that I thought it deserved because my personality has always been when I go after something, I go after something. I, I tackle it. Like what I'm trying to do right now with Twitch the last couple of months, like I, I attack it full force. So there was a, a gentleman who worked on the site uh, who actually was also one of our programmers, you know, helped to maintain the scripts and uh, things of that nature, the forms, the polls, all that good stuff on the site. And, uh, you know, I, his name was Sam. 
and uh, he had interest in acquiring the site. And so, you know, we, we talked, we discussed, and ultimately in 2000, uh, I transferred ownership of Zofar's domain to him. And from about mid 2000 onwards, he became the person who made the decisions and essentially owned uh, Zofar's domain. And uh, it stayed like that for a number of years. I know that at some point he transferred ownership to another gentleman named Ed, uh, who runs it and you know specifically owns it to this day. Uh, and he has his own team of people that help to maintain it and run it, and, you know, things like that. And then, uh, and then the pandemic happened, <laughs> and uh, you know, a bunch of uh, I don't know how deep you want me to go into this part. Keep but, going, um, I'm, I'm all in, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the reason why I returned after all these years, I had dabbled every now and then. I made a little bit of an appearance, like I would jump in, say hi to people, hey, how's everything going? And oh, this is great. And you know, at one point, uh, I I received posting privileges back again on Zofar's domain because I said, hey, I'm kind of dabbling back again. Um, so. Ed went ahead and gave me, you know, posting privileges if I, if I wanted to, um, I didn't really take advantage of it though. Cause I was in, I was out. I still had, I had a full-time career at this point. I was married, you know, I have a kid and, um, you know, everything's going great in my, in my life. And then, um, you know, in the back of my head, all these years, I've always said to myself like, ah, but what if, what if, you know, I, th I would think about the stuff I left behind. Right. But then I remember, right. This is what I wanted. I wanted a career. I wanted a family. I wanted, uh, you know, children like the, this is what I wanted. So I gave this up for that. Um, and then the pandemic happened and someone that I worked with, I'm a manager just so you know, um, I've been the manager for almost 20 years now since leaving Zofar's domain. So I went from being the manager and owner of Zofar's domain to managing someone else's company. Right. So, um, funny how that works out. But after when the pandemic happened, you know, everything, what became very chaotic, which, you know, life changed and, you know, everyone's trying to figure out what to do and companies are scrambling. And so um, the amount of stress at my job became uh, far more than it has been because being a manager can be very stressful, but it became much more stressful than it ever had been up until that point. Um, but I maintained, I went through it. I remembered, you know, this is, this is my career and this is my family. This is what I want to do. And then I, uh, someone that used to work for me a long time ago uh, came into my office and I just remember it being very, very busy. It was right during the holiday season the, where I work. It's very busy during the you know November, December, January months of the year. So uh, he was trying to tell me something. And I was just, I remember being on my computer trying to respond to some kind of communication. And I said, hey, man, listen, I'm really sorry. Really busy right now. I'll tell you what. Let's like talk like in like a month or two from now, like, you know, once the holidays calm down, we'll catch up. I promise, man, it's really good to see. I'm just, I'm just really busy right now. Um and he said, all right, man, no problem. And he left and he ended up getting COVID-19 two weeks later. And then he passed away three weeks after that. Oh, he man, was 51. I understand. It's, 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 it's what can you do? But after that happened, I still couldn't tell you, Bob, to this day, I don't know what I was doing. What was I was so I know I was looking at my computer and reading an email. I couldn't tell you what it was. I don't know what it was. It was so important that I couldn't just spend, you know, 10 minutes talking to this nice gentleman, really kind soul that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, to just stop by the office just to, you know, pick some stuff up and wanted to say hi to me. So it got me thinking like, you know, I, I hate to say, you know, you don't want to have regrets, but I really regret that. So then somehow that got me thinking like, well, what about like all the stuff we used to do in the nineties and Zofar's domain. And like, what, I wonder like what like I couldn't back then, I could not find a way to like, if it could have been my career, like if I could have made a legitimate career out of it where this is what I do. I start my day. Zofar's domain is my passion and my career. And it would generate the kind of, you know, income if it had been able to do that back then. You know, I, I 
would have been more likely to stick with it, um, but it couldn't. It was a lot of time I was putting in, and the money that it was generating was mainly going to the people I felt deserved it the most, the team around me. But now I'm like, you know, things are a lot different now. I know there's like, you know, YouTube and Twitch and there's streaming and there's all this stuff because it's not, it's not like I just shut everything off and stopped looking at things completely. I, I would check in. I would dab when I'd be like, oh, this is cool. You know, Modern Vintage Gamer is awesome and Retro RGB and all that. I, 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 was, I, was, I was watching. I was watching. Um, so I'm like, ah, you know, I don't want to have any regrets. I could be on this earth another 30 to 40 years, I hope, or I could like die next week. Like, I don't know. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to dabble. Let me go check out like, some streaming stuff, see what people are doing. I'm a big fan of speedrunners. I'm not a speedrunner myself. I have no talent, just to be clear to everybody. I, I'm not, no <laughs> same talent. and same. I'm a huge fan, <laughs> I, but I, I can't do it I, myself. I, yeah, exactly. I came in the top 100 one time in a Saturn contest in the mid-90s, um, and I won a poster. That's the extent of my speedrunning. <laughs> the 98th fastest time. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But that's it. So, you know, I started watching speedrunners and people like uh, Arcus and RetroRunner who are big ninja guide and speedrunners and a whole bunch of them. And um, somehow, I don't remember how the topic came up. So my 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 name, I call it a handle. Every time I say handle, I'm like, oh, you're from the 90s, aren't you? But my the name, of course, is Zofar, Zofar 1 because somebody else had Zofar, which is fine. And uh, someone recognized the name. They're like, wait, are you are you the Zofar of Zofar's domain? And I was like, whoa, there's people that remember this? So I was like, well, yeah, yeah, it was a long time ago. And they're like, what? And then people in the chat just start, you know, Zofar, no way. And I'm like, whoa. My guy, it's just got to be a random coincidence. I probably just went to like this one speedrunner where the community is <laughs> from the Zofar's domain days. But then like I started going to different runners and a different just casual channels. And every time it comes up where someone asks about the name Zofar, like a bunch of people were remembering it and having fond memories. And like, I had one person, this is going to sound crazy. Like, they're like, oh, it changed my life. I was like, nah, no way. But like, no way. And they started explaining like how the games were part of their childhood. And, you know, then their games broke down. Like all these stories, like the reason why I created the site, like it touched people, which, you know, is kind of, kind of, you know, it's really, you know, a little emotional, like thinking, oh, that's, that's crazy. I can't believe it. Like, it's, it's amazing. So I'm like, well, it seems like there are still people here. So, what if I just try to dabble, get back into it? And that's kind of a, that's kind of the whole full circle story of, uh, you know, of Zofar's domain. And to this day, Zofar's domain is still up, although I don't actively uh, run or maintain it. I do dabble in there every now and then. I poke my head in. When I started streaming on Twitch in January, I, I did put a post up um, just letting people know, hey, I am streaming now if you want to you know, check out some casual gaming. And, and then that brought us to, uh, to the current point. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I saw you liked a post of mine on Twitter and I went, holy shit, is that the Zofar? And that's when I just messaged you right away. Like, this is crazy. Like, uh, you know, I, I remember all of that. And, you know, I, um, sorry, my headphones just cut out. No, you're good. But yeah, that, that was uh, that was that was nuts. You know, and it's a lot of people are having the same reaction too. And I, I've seen, you know, every time uh, that's the same thing too. When I saw you active on Twitter, a bunch of other people were like, same shit. Holy, <laughs> holy crap, it's Zofar. So yeah, the, a lot of people absolutely remember, and you know the website has and still makes it a big difference when you're looking for any kind of software emulation solution. 
I you know, appreciate you, said, you saying so. Hell yeah. You, you said so many things that just tripped so many different memories. And, you know, like even the GeoCities, not, you know, your GeoCities forward slash a bunch of numbers and stuff. I don't even remember if I bought a domain back then because it wasn't like it is today. There was no GoDaddy where you just drop five bucks and get a domain like there. It was a lot more involved. I, I might have, but it might I remember. Have, I, might have, mm-hmm. I remember how we did it. Um, we went to uh, the Inter NIC. I don't even know if they're around anymore, but that was what they were called, the Internet or the Inter NIC. NIC. And uh, you had to basically purchase a domain name. I want to say it was like. I don't know, maybe 50 or $60. It wasn't a ton of money, um, but it was like 50 or 60 bucks maybe. And you would go and register the IP addresses that were associated with your server. And then they would just give you the uh, the domain. And it was that simple. And it wasn't like this whole people would buy domains and then resell them and squat on them. And there was there was really none of that. Um, there was a Zofar.com uh, ultimately that was bought because I decided I wanted Zofar.net because net just sounded cool <laughs> like yeah oh, it's so far.net um and uh you know i if i had had the foresight back then to know like i probably should have bought all of them like com net dot org like but I, again i was a teenager I, I didn't have a lot of money so i'm like okay so far.net it's like 50 or 60 bucks I'll, I'll go for it but um i purchased it that way and uh you know every time i would change servers i had to go onto the inter nic's website and i'd have to modify the you know server ip addresses and whatnot but um that was uh, that was how you did it back then. It was the wild, wild west of the internet. None of this was taught in schools that I'm aware of. There was no book that told you any of this. I and there was no Google, by the way, to be clear at the, at the beginning of this. Um, I just yep. basically had to, you know, kind of scour the internet myself. You know, back then it was the age of uh, Alta Vista and Excite and Yahoo. They were and Yahoo, <laughs> yeah. And I would just sit there and and you know, you know how I don't know if, I don't know if you remember this. The way that Zofar's domain popped up in all the search engines, um, I added them. Back then, there, it wasn't like this technological spidering where it would go and the bots would find site. No, it was a little link at the bottom that says, submit your site. And I sat there on Yahoo, Alta Vista, Excite, Ask Jeeves. Remember Ask Jeeves? Uh, yeah. Like <laughs> and I sat there, and it just took a long time. And I would just write up a little thing about Zofar's domain. Here's the website, and here's what it is. And I would hit submit, and then like within a few days, a moderator would approve the thing. And there it was. It's in the search engine now. You can now find it. That's how I did I, it. I feel like that's what I did because I definitely couldn't have afforded a, you know, 15 years old or something to spend 60 bucks on a domain. So I, I but I, I remember a lot of what you said. So I think that might have been what I did is, is manually submit to Yahoo and Alta Vista. Those are probably the only two I did and to, to get <laughs> it to pop up in the search results. So, man, what a trip. Yep. And how are you hosting back then? I mean, um, like, how are you hosting files? Because it, it wasn't, you know, there, it's not like today where you can just have a website and upload some stuff with an FTP just directly. Didn't you have to build oh, some kind that's, of... Uh... That's what that, but that's exactly what I did. But you needed servers with which that you could go in FTP files up there too. So, you know, with GeoCities, they gave you almost nothing. There was very little right. space. It, pretty much you could put up HTML files, some graphics, and there you go, uh, which is why the site only lasted there a couple of weeks. But I moved on to my ISP, which at the time was a company uh, based where I live called ZipLink. Uh, and they allowed, I can't remember what the number was, some tiny number, like 10 megabytes of storage or something silly like that. Um, and basically the way the site grew was as I changed servers, they started giving me more space and bandwidth. It allowed me to do more. So, you know, every time we would change over, it was ZipLink and then it was VoiceNet. And then it was, I want to say, oh, what was it called? Militia. Uh, and then Intranexus. And then ultimately we settled on ZTNet. 
um, not to be confused with ZDNet, totally different. Um, but mm-hmm. ZTNet, uh, which was uh, run by a gentleman uh, named Zach. And the agreement he had, uh, if I recall this correctly, uh, Zach, if you're watching this and I'm getting the agreement wrong, I'm really, really sorry. I'm just going by 25 <laughs> years of memory. <laughs> um, but I think the agreement was, hey, use what you need for storage space. We'll take care of space. We'll take care of the bandwidth. You don't pay us anything. We're going to run advertising on Zofar's domain in various spots where we tell you to pop the ads. And then, you know, we'll take a cut. We'll give you a cut and da, 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 da. And, you know, go ahead and run wild was basically, uh, in a nutshell, the, uh, the, the agreement within, within, you know, within reason. So, um, yeah, I would sit there. The, the program I used, I don't know if you remember, we're going back in time, but there was a program called Cute FTP. Oh, uh, yeah. Yellow icon. That was yep. the program that I used from like late 96 onwards. I would go into Qt FTP and I had a mirror of Zofar's domain on my local computer. And I would sit there and one by one, one at a time, this is how I did it. I would upload the files. So anytime I updated the site in the beginning, before we had scripts to do this stuff, I literally sat there in Notepad. That's how I designed Zofar's domain in the beginning. We used Notepad. Oh, yeah. And I would sit there and edit the HTML code and edit the comments and change the links to the names. And I would upload the thing. And then if I saw I made a mistake, oops, that was not a capital F. That was a lowercase f because Unix case sensitive. I was like, uh, oops, let me re-upload that. So like, there were times if you caught Zofar's domain at a particular point, you could catch me making mistakes and then re-uploading them very quickly. <laughs> it was really amateur hour. I didn't, no one knew what we were doing back then, you know. Um, and that's how I learned. I figured all this stuff out basically, Bob, by just messing up, making mistakes and learning and being like, oh, guess I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> you know, you don't so like, you learn what not to do. still how I learned. That's still how I learn. Everybody that works with Same. me will vouch for that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's um, you know, that, man, that's that's such a cool thing. Do you remember interacting with some of the the devs back then? Some of the emulator developers? Oh, absolutely. I interacted with quite a few of them. Uh, like I said, my my uh, the, the one I idolized, and they, they're all amazing people. Um, but uh, Icer Addis was just amazing because he was, you know, how I told you, like the whole idea behind Zofar's domain was it was like this mystical place and you know, shrouded in darkness and you only reveal so much information. Well, he was a lot like that. Like he, I didn't even know his name was Iceratus until years later. Um, but you know, he was, he operated, you know, kind of in the shadows and he would just pop up with a new version and he'd be really cryptic about, you know, things. And it was just a different kind of like the emulator had the little dripping blood and Genesis and Nesticle had the, you know, I won't go deep into it. You know what I'm talking about just different, yeah. interesting graphical styles that he had. Um, and it was just, it was just really impressive. He teamed up with a gentleman named Ethan uh, who went by the name of Howlbent uh, that designed a lot of the graphics for him. And just, you know, it was amazing. So I, I ultimately was beta testing uh, those emulators for him. I was one of many. I was not the only one. There were many, many, many good people that, that did that. But I was like, man, this is awesome. Like, I would, I would love if there's anything I can do for you, man. You just let me know. You know, I have a a really crappy computer. If you're trying to test your emulators on crappy computers to see how fast it'll go, I have a Cyrix 686. Anybody remember Cyrix? Uh, of course. <laughs> oh my God, those things are. But and they're <laughs> gone now. But <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got, I got a Cyrix uh, 166 plus. Uh, with uh, four megs of RAM, I'm happy to beta test whatever whatever you want, and and we did, and you know uh, we uh, we uh, you know every time he'd throw me a new version, I would try you know a whole bunch of different games. But what's interesting about that era and, and interacting with the emulator authors is I spent all this time, which I'm proud that I did. I'm I'm happy to do it again, but I spent all this time testing the games. I'll be honest, Bob, I didn't play like 98 percent of them. <laughs> There's this giant gap in my gaming from the years around 96 to 2000 where I missed out on a ton of games because basically I would spend like 
hours and hours watching the same first 10 minutes of <laughs> random video games, just testing them out. You know, you can't really play them. So part of like why I, I'm, you know, when I came back and I started streaming is I want to kind of enjoy all the games that like I missed <laughs> like when I was in the, you know, the emulator community, I, I missed them all, you know? I know that feeling so well. I've played the first level of Bonk's Adventure probably a thousand times, <laughs> and and that's it. Just every time I test, because it's a great the blue uh, the solid blue background and some of the cross graphics. It's a really easy way to test video mods. So, that I, but I've never actually sat down and played the game, and it's it's, it's so funny to hear somebody else say that because when you're doing testing, that's you know that's what you got to do. You got to concentrate on the things that matter, and you can't you know you could appreciate the artwork and the music. That's about it. You can't really get into the game when you're testing. Well, you know, different scenarios, but at least, you know, when you're when you're burning through trying to make sure you get compatibility going and all that. Yeah, you have to just test the same stuff and look for the bugs. Yep. And- exactly. If you try to get into like the actual game and you try to go through it, you'll just get a new version that like invalidates your save file or something like that. And so it's just better off just to try it out briefly. Don't actually play it for the enjoyment, but just to look for, you know, the bugs. Yeah. You know, I remember a couple of things. I'm starting to remember thinking about all of this stuff. There was, when Super Nintendo emulators first came out, there was always a thing about, could it reproduce the rain in A Link to the Past in the opening? Because some of the original developers, I guess, couldn't get every layer working right. And I remember talking to Kevin Horton about that a couple of years ago. And he he basically looked at me like, of course, that's easy. What are you talking about? I'm like, dude, you're older than me. How could you not remember the 90s when everybody was trying to get that right? And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember, but I certainly do. Do you remember any of that? Oh, I remember it vividly. And, and it wasn't just Rain and Zelda. There were all kinds of, you know, effects in different games. Like, for example, I remember in Genesis emulation in the beginning when they were trying to get the Genesis to work, you were missing all kinds of channels of sound because there was no information on any of this stuff. So that the Sega Genesis used not just a PSG chip, right? Pro- programmable sound mm-hmm. generator, like, you know, other systems did, but it also used a Yamaha synth chip. It was a Yamaha uh, 2612, if I recall. And there was mm-hmm. no documentation on any of this stuff. So all of this stuff had to be reverse engineered. Like any of the stuff you see, like uh, Yoshi's amazing nest tech dot doc from the mid nineties, none of that stuff, of it is not leaks from, at least back then, they weren't leaks from Nintendo and Sega and Atari or whatever. They were very talented, very gifted programmers of the community that were basically reverse engineering everything in in a way, like, you know, how I tell you with Zofar's domain, I would sit there, you know, with notepad and just reverse engineer and no, that didn't work. Let's try this. Oh, that's the wrong thing. Let's do this. Well, at a much, much, much higher level, because what I did, I don't think it requires talent, just, just required dedication. What they do requires talent. Like you got to sit there and figure it out and, you know, oh, okay, well, maybe the, maybe it worked like this. Maybe the processor worked like this. Oh, this doesn't, this crashes the game. Maybe I'm off by like one megahertz in terms of the frequency of the clock and it's involved. So yeah, when it comes to things like the rain in Zelda or missing sound channels in Sonic the Hedgehog or any number, you could go on all day about the different pieces that were just difficult to emulate. It's because they didn't have the documentation. Everything had to be reverse engineered. So they started with the easier stuff first. And then as they got that work, and then they would try to reverse engineer another portion, another portion. Then they eventually started to figure out all the neat little hidden features, the undocumented features, we'll say, um, of the, you know the Super Nintendo's processor with the Mode 7 scale. And I don't know if you remember, but in the beginning, Mode 7 didn't work. The Final mm-hmm. Fantasy uh, 2, which you know was 4, but Final Fantasy 2's opening sequence with the airships and whatnot, none of that worked. That didn't work. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it looked completely wrong or it was just blank. 
Um, and they figured it out over time. But I think that um, a lot of people now, like, I don't want to say people take it for granted, but people that weren't around back then don't know just how much work it takes to program an emulator when you have no information on the emulator. You, you have no information on the processor. You have no information on the hardware. Everything you learn is just through reverse engineering. And so, you know, that, that was what really drew me to the community back then was just, here's a way to play old video games, but like, it's like always changing. Things are always happening. Like every day there's some new thing that works, another game that now is working or another sound effect that sounds better. Um, I was, uh, I, when I was Twitch streaming, uh, I, we did a little 20, uh, 25th anniversary of uh, Nesticle and uh, I was playing Nesticle using, in true so far as domain fashion, I was running Nesticle within uh windows xp which was in a virtual machine on parallels running on my mac so i just thought that was kind of funny kind of fitting <laughs> and it Absolutely. worked but I'm, I'm like playing the game i'm playing uh we played a few things we played metroid i think we played uh solstice a few others and i'm listening to the sound and i'm like Ugh, that's does that's not even close but in 1997 <laughs> like yeah. whoa my mind is blown like i'm playing mario on my computer man like it sounds great like when all the other emulators had no sound <laughs> this one has like you know right. so it just it, but it really makes you like appreciate the amazing things these emulator authors like Isoratus for Nesticle Genesis and Callus did and SNES 9X and ZSNES i got to beta test for them ZS Night and Demo that was another amazing emulator that one was coded completely and almost completely in assembly language and just you know amazing amazing stuff that the authors did so it was an honor to be able to you know beta test for them and, and give them suggestions and feedback yeah do you remember it was floating around for a couple of months but there was a fake super nintendo emulator and it looked you know it, it was just like a it it installed and it had like a basic gui and it would you would have to do a cpu check and the the joke was that it was a CPU that didn't exist. So it was something like a Pentium two without MMX was the only one that it would run on. And there was all these people like, Oh yeah, it runs great, but it was just a prank. It wasn't, it wasn't real. Cause that you couldn't... there was a, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I just, I, I couldn't remember what the, it was either um, the, you, it said you needed a Pentium two without MMX, or it was something where like it, all the words they used were correct. It just, there didn't the one thing that they said it needed didn't exist because that was the joke because it wasn't a real emulator. Yeah, there there were um if I recall there were a lot of fake emulators like that back then. I know what you're talking about. I can't remember what it was called. I wish I could. I'm sure I'll remember this like after we're done our interview. Um, but yeah, there were there were a bunch like that, and I had to be really careful with Zofar's domain. Like I never uploaded, and I'm not saying I was 100 percent perfect. Like I had a lot of staffers, and sometimes mistakes occasionally happen but i was very very careful that any emulator that went on zofar's domain or any emulator that we reported on that came out we had to test it first we had to run it make sure it did something and if we couldn't verify that it did anything you know we wouldn't put it up there there were there were a bunch like that um and the one that you're talking about i cannot remember the name but i remember because it's acting like it's testing things but it wasn't actually doing that i don't yeah. think it was a malicious file i don't think it was it was like a virus no, or just i just think it was a a very clever prank exactly um that just had a lot of cool flair when it was scanning for things like it was doing stuff but it was actually doing not a thing if yeah, i remember I the name of it i'll god i'm sorry no, that's it. Because I just I remember it wasn't on Zofar's domain, so I was like, "Well, I wonder if they just haven't had time to upload it yet." And obviously, it was because it was fake. And you know, Super Nintendo was always my favorite console, so it's just like that. One, that one always stuck with me. And it took me like 
it, it took me a good day to realize it was a prank because I had a 486 at the time, or maybe even a 386. So there was no way it was running on my computer. And I remember going to school, talking to you know my cousin Scott about, you know, hey, do you think we, you can get that running on your computer? And he's like, well, what does it need? And then we talked through and he's like, that doesn't exist. I'm like, oh, you're right. Oh, I bet it's a prank. Somebody's messing with us. So. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple back then. Do you um, did you ever talk to Marat Faisalin? Uh, so, uh, very, very briefly, his, uh, name, if I recall was RST 38 H, you know, an interrupt in programming, um, a long, long time ago, but, uh, he, um, so going back in time now, I'm a teenager, I'm a kid. I don't have a lot of money. He was one of a few emulator authors who was charging for his emulator. It was $35. I'll never forget it. Um, you could download a, uh, a freeware version that didn't have sound, uh, but if you wanted to get sound in the emulator, you'd have to pay uh, $35 for the emulator. I also think there might have been like a nag screen maybe or like text over it. I'm not 100% sure on that. But I kind of remember there being something else about the emulator that might have been removed. Um, so I didn't really talk to him very much because at the time, we were a lot of us were of the mentality that, you know, emulation, the whole idea is you're reliving the past and you're you, it shouldn't cost money for the emulators themselves, which was just to be clear, not the right mentality. Um, this is a teenager's a we kid's, kids perspective. Yeah. We were kids. We what do we know? Um, and I, I do feel badly years later, just looking back, like I, I wish I had interacted with him more and been supportive. And you know, because all of the free emulators, I was all about supporting and beta testing and all of that. And you know, when it came to any of the the. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a cost money. There were a few. INS was one of them from Marat Faisulin. There was a VSMC. I don't know if you remember that one, Virtual Super Magicom, which was a Super mm. Nintendo emulator. That one had a, uh, when you played the free version of it, it had a yellow screen, like looked like a Game Boy almost, and no sound also. And if you wanted to have the palette be 256 colors, like a Super Nintendo should be, and sound, you had to, same thing, pay $35. Uh, so there, and then there was Bleem was another one. Do you remember Bleem, the PlayStation emulator? Oh, of course, yeah. I don't think I, yep. I don't think I used Bleem, but I definitely remember it from you know from the moment it was out there. Yep. You know, there was a funny thing. I remember, I distinctly remember this, and I, I talked to uh, to Marat a few years ago, and I told this story, and he definitely didn't remember it the same way. And I just, I don't know why, I lost, I lost my guts. I didn't push him on it because I thought it would be a funny story, but. I remember when he was charging for that and, you know, I was a shitty kid, right? So like I didn't have any money and I really wanted to use the feature where you could dump the audio tracks so that you could listen to video game music. Cause that's something that no one had ever done back in the day. And it's neat just to think of like, Oh yeah, I remember this music from the last level. Oh, I love that song or whatever. So somebody somewhere had posted the paid version of his emulator and I downloaded it. And it wasn't dumping the sound files. The sound worked, but it wasn't saving it to a file. And I'm, you know, I clicked on every button, and in the help file was his name and phone number. 
And he swears that he would have never put his phone number on an emulator. But I know for a fact, as much as I was an asshole little kid, I would have never gone and hunted down somebody's phone number. I would have. He's like, oh, you must have found it on my resume. There's no way I would have done that. He I I will say um, I'll tell you what I remember vividly. He 100 percent on his website um, on on Marat Faisulin's website. Um, comkin.org maybe. And if that's still around, you may want to edit this out. <laughs> Just because I want to get him in trouble. But I, I vividly remember he had contact information right up on the site. Forget the emulator file. Right on his site, which had the emulators, was his contact information. Um, now, I will say back then, it, again, people didn't know. I had my email address freely at the bottom of Zofar's domain, at the very bottom. You would never do that now. No way in hell no. would you have an email address. Think of what the, the bots and the spamming. To this day, I, my, uh, without telling you what it is, but my email address that I had from back then, which I never got rid of, 98% of it is spam just from years of that email being up on the front page of a, of a pretty popular website at the time. Um, yeah. But he 100% Bob, he yeah. had his contact info on that site, whether it was inside the emulator, I can't remember, I could find out because I have the complete archive of Zophar's domain on disk <laughs> from a few years, actually, <laughs> almost complete, uh, I could find out if you really want to know. <laughs> well, I remember calling him. And because in my mind, I was like, well, if, if this is, you know, this thing's awesome, and it's working. So he's got to have sold so many copies that how is he going to know that I didn't buy it? And sure. I called him and somebody else picked up and I asked to speak to Barat and, he, you know, he said hello. And I said, hi, I'm you know, sorry to bother you, but I have your emulator. And you said you left your number for support and I can't get it to dump the audio files. And he's like, well, how did you get that version if you didn't pay for it? Because you didn't pay for it. And I'm on the other end of the line going, how the hell is he nobody didn't pay for it? He must have either just released it or he only sold a couple of copies or something. And I think I panicked and hung up the phone or something like that. Like, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> but I asked him that. He, he didn't remember it and he swears that he didn't have his number up. But there, there's no way I would have never gone and tracked somebody down like that. That just wasn't my well, style. You, you know, it also, there's another factor here that could be the case. And that's that this was such a long time ago. Like there are things that I wrote that I went back, like when I started streaming in January, I started looking at the old archives of Zofar's domain and everything. And I'm reading stuff that I wrote and I'm like cringing, like, Oh my God, like, what did I, I, I wrote something about, um, about VSMC, which was the brain. That was his emulator, the super Nintendo one we were just talking about. And I wrote mm-hmm. something like everybody should demand that he stop charging $35. For this. And I'm like, Oh my God, why did I say that? Like that's, that's <laughs> horrible. Um, but again, I was 16 years old. I didn't know. Yeah. So if there was one thing, like if Murad, if you're watching this, um, one thing I do want to say is I'm very sorry. I was not more supportive of you back then. And uh, your emulator was amazing and groundbreaking. And I'm sorry that it didn't get the, the recognition from the community that it should have back then. Cause you, you really set the stage for, things that would not probably have come as quickly as they did had you not spent the time reverse engineering the Nintendo. So thank you. Yeah. He, he's still, he's still working on it too. He has Android versions of his emulation that, uh, that he sells. Um, so, you know, it's, he's still in the scene, which is pretty awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Man. So um, what, what was like the one thing back then that when it was released, like, you know, your teenage mind was blown, like, holy crap, I can't believe they did this, whatever that might be. So like emulator wise? 
Yeah, anything to do with Zofar's domain, the emulation, like something that really made a difference for you in the emulation. So, so I had, uh, and I know I, I'm sure I wasn't the only one that suggested this, but when I was beta testing for Iceratus and I had, you know, his attention, um, I had made a suggestion of, hey, it would be really cool if we could somehow record. I, I asked for recording a video, whatever that looked like, some way to record video. So like if people want to, you know, submit their playthrough of games or whatever, like they could do it. It'd be really cool. I don't know what that looks like. And, you know, he, he thought about it and obviously having it output back then to like MPEG or, you know, that would have been the format, I guess, back then um, would have just been, it wouldn't have worked out. It would have taken way yeah. too much space. Uh, way too much bandwidth if you try to upload or stream that stuff. Like, just it wouldn't have worked out. So, as I was mentioning earlier in, in our uh, chat here, Bob, he came up with uh, controller logging, uh, which mm -hmm. he called uh, NSM format, was what it was for Nesticle. Uh, Nintendo, uh, what was the S? I can't remember what the S was. Nintendo something movie. I can't remember what the S is anymore. Or maybe it was NSM because it was NES movie. That might have been why. But hmm. it, it, it essentially logged your controller inputs, you know, frame by frame. So each frame, what state is the controller in? What, what's the button press? Up, left, A, B, whatever. And you compile all of that into a file. It would log it. And then at the end, you basically, when you load it, all you're really doing is you're loading a save state and then everything that's pressed from that point. Now, that sounds like a great idea. The thing with that, though, is that all it would take is any kind of change in the timing Maybe the ROM that you downloaded was a slightly or found or copied or whatever was a slightly mm -hmm. bad dump. Um, anything that's off by any kind of amount. And eventually what could happen is the file could desync. So case in point, interestingly enough, when I was streaming Nesticle on its 25th anniversary a few months ago, I found some of the contest winners from Zofar's Domain NSM contest. And when we played them back, two of them worked flawlessly. One of them, which was Metroid, desynced in the middle. And when I say desynced, all of a sudden Samus just started doing stupid things and shooting out of nowhere and moving to the right where there was nothing there. And, and it just, you know, that, that didn't play back properly, probably because it was done on a version of the emulator that had different timings for the, for the CPU. But for me, the fact that I made that suggestion and it was implemented was like, wow, this is so cool. Like, like, I, I, you know, and again, looking back on this, I'm sure I was one of a gazillion people that asked for this, but it's almost like, wow, you know, you, you give feedback and like he's listening and like my mind was blown, not the feature itself, which was awesome, but just the fact that I could, you know, give feedback on something, make a suggestion and then see that feedback like implemented real time like that. That was incredible. Um, so for me, my mind was blown anytime I would ever give feedback. And that was the one that pops into my head right now is one of the best examples of that. And, you know, that feedback was turned into uh, a result. I still kind of get that feeling. And I, I work with smart devs almost every single day. And I still kind of get that, like, like, wow, like, you did that because I asked. Thank you so much. Like, you know, you're the best. This is awesome. This is going to. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's, you can see the enthusiasm every time I talk about this stuff on the podcast, too. But it's just like. Yeah, it's. I've always been so lucky to get to work with such awesome people like that. It's it's so much fun oh, yeah. to to see a lot of this stuff take shape and and the evolution of all of it. But yeah, that's a that's a trip. That's a that's an important one too. I you know I think for me and a lot of other people our age, I think Nesticle was probably the the one thing that we first loaded up and just went, holy crap, this is cool. Like you know, there's you just you load the games, they actually play right. You know, you could. 
you know, I don't, I think I had a Gravis game pad that I would try to play it on too, or something like that. I had a you know, Gravis. The, yeah, like the, 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 the one that everybody had back then. It, I would it, for the two for me, I, I had the Gravis game pad, and then later I migrated to the Microsoft Sidewinder, which was the one that eventually morphed into the Xbox controllers. Um, but it, it had the, the kind of uh, tapered uh, edges mm-hmm. like this, and it had the boomerang. You know, the boomerang, exactly. <laughs> the boomerang. <laughs> uh, and I remember Nesticle specifically added support for the Sidewinder. Um, you know, being a, a DOS emulator when it first came out, you know, mm-hmm. you, you had to have, you know, drivers and whatnot. But this specifically had a driver for the Sidewinder if you were so inclined. So I played a lot of emulators using my, uh, my Sidewinder for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's something that definitely... Um, you know, I know I sound like an old man saying this, but kids of today will never understand what it was like uh, to try to make this hardware work with the software. Because now you have drivers and sometimes you have to force an alternate driver version and sometimes you have to force a firmware version. But back in the day, you had to add the code to your auto exec batch file so that your computer as it booted would read these devices. And depending on what hardware you had, Sometimes you would remove some of those devices so that your computer would be a little faster so you could actually play the game that you were looking for. So, you know, you'd have a couple of different versions of it and, you know, just add underscore, you know, with sound, no sound, and then just go on based on that. And that that's, you know, yeah, man, this is bringing back a whole bunch of very fun memories of it's trying awesome. to figure all this stuff out and get it and working. That- and that was everything you're saying. That was like, that was what got me into this. Just the fun of it, right? Like not just playing the games, which was the, you know, the big draw was the games, but like, as I got more into it, I was like, you know what, you know, it's not even just the games now. It's just the fun of groundbreaking stuff and being there when new stuff is happening, new features and new games are working. And just like, just, it was just such a fun feeling. And then that people would feed off each other. Then new programmers would come into the frame and be like, all right, I can take a crack at this. And I'm, this emulator is going to do this, that this one didn't do. And then when things like net play were added, like Nesticle was one of the first ones to have, you know, you could play someone on the internet. Now it, it, it did. How well did it work again? This was the nineties, but just that didn't matter. Like the whole point, the idea that you could sit there and someone like in another state can also play Nintendo with you when the game manufacturers hadn't even figured out how to do that. Like with the modern systems, right? <laughs> Sega tried with the Sega channel and all that, but like, that was just amazing. That was incredible. You know? Yeah, absolutely. The 56K modem. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. When I started Zofar's Domain, I was still using a 14.4 modem. I moved on to 56K shortly thereafter, though, because I realized the 14.4 was not cutting it. So went right I up to think, a 56. I think I had a 33.6 at one point. I know I started out with a 14.4 and then eventually got the 56. And then I just, I think I remember in the 2000, maybe, I got a cable modem. And my mind was just blown at the difference. Like, I can't believe it. Oh, yeah. For me, it was um, when I went from a 56K dial-up to DSL, which was, I remember, it was a 320 kilobits per second connection. And I was like, whoa, man, I'm moving at the speed of light now. (laughs) Of course, now, like, you know, (laughs) now they're, like, up to, like, I think Comcast, what I use now is, like, 900 megabits per second or some some ridiculous number. But I was like, oh, 300 kilobits a second. We're moving at the speed of light. So I remember (laughs) just to think of all those computers directly connected to the internet without a router or any kind of protection in front of you. Like that's today your computer would last 15 minutes before it was taken over by spyware. I I had a, um, I'll tell you a quick funny story about that since you just brought that up. So back in the IRC days of the nineties, you know, we would go on IRC and chat about emulators, whatever. And IRC, which I would, 
I don't use it today because it's just I don't I don't like the idea of it. I don't think it's secure. I think think we've moved on to much better, more secure platforms. But back then, that was what we had. So I would enter a chat room and it would freely display your IP address. And I wasn't smart enough back then to use a proxy. So like I would enter a chat room and there's, you know, Zofar at some crazy, you know, whatever my IP address is. Right. And so I want to say like maybe early 97, I would go into a chat and all of a sudden my computer would crash. It would just go to a blue screen. I'd be like, the heck's going on here? And I'd be like, my computer's being unstable. Is it overheating? It's, it was a Cyrix chip piece of crap, right? I'm like, oh, is, is the processor's overheating? Oh, what's going on? So I, I went back in and I'm like, okay, I'm testing the computer. It seems okay. Play a game. Everything seems okay. All right, whatever. Let me go back on IRC, tell everyone what happened. And I'd go back on IRC. I'd go into the channel. And then again, within like a minute of going into the channel, the thing would crash again. It took me, I want to say like six or seven reboots to figure out that the common link was... I would go back into a particular IRC channel with my IP address displayed for everybody. And then my computer would mysteriously crash. And what it was, was they were taking advantage of a new uh, denial of service attack back when people were figuring out what that was. I think it was called a land attack, I think was the name of it, um, which basically caused like a buffer overflow. Uh, and they would just basically ping you with like these packets. I, you know, I, it's way more technically involved than I, I know to get into, but when I saw that was happening, I'm like, okay, there's got to be a fix for this. So I went and I looked and people were talking about it. And then I went on Microsoft's site and they just had released a patch, patched my OS. And it was Windows 95 back then, rebooted. And then all of a sudden I went in IRC and it stopped happening. And I'm sure the person watching me crash out of there was getting a chuckle <laughs> every time he would ping me. But, you know, those, what, what can you, that was the days. That was the 90s. <laughs> and, you know, in hindsight, what a harmless prank. It's kind of funny. You know, it's like, it's oh, a, I laugh about kind it of a now. douche move, but like, it's still, <laughs> but it is funny. I can, thing. I, yeah, it didn't do any lasting damage. Um, but like now, like instead of like stuff like that, when back then it was like pranks and silly stuff. Now you have like computers being held for ransom and, you know, you need to pay this ridiculous amount of money or goodbye to all your, you know, all your family pictures and home movies and all the stuff you've accrued over the years, like just buy, like it's become instead of pranksters doing it, it's now just business bad business people right um yeah. you know they have entire companies overseas that you know their whole existence is to create programs and then infect you and they have whole i i so without going too deep into this there's one ransomware uh company they're not a company whatever you want to call them organization um that has their own tech support where you call a number and they actually staff the center with people to take your money and then release the key to you like an actual it's it's insane it's ridiculous i never would have imagined that you know people would turn to that kind of you know when when back then it was just it was silly pranks it's not like that anymore you know yeah i mean that's that's the evolution of humans unfortunately though i'm sure there was you know cavemen back in caveman days that were selling you know uh, selling coconuts as rocks and you go to fight your woolly mammoth and your rock explodes oh, and there yeah, you go no you're just like, you know whatever there was always people to exploit other people no so. doubt no doubt <laughs> so what's now that you're now that you're kind of back what is next you're staying with twitch to to stream games and you know what's what's now for for Zofar's so, domain for so, you great question so here here's where my head's at so first and foremost I'm really enjoying Twitch streaming a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's a way to kind of rebuild a community, right? Because obviously it's been 
over two decades. A lot has changed, but some things have stayed the same. And I'm finding mm. out that the more I stream, and I have a regular schedule, I stream five days a week on Twitch, usually at nights. So like I'll be streaming later tonight. Um, people are coming in, like new people every day that say, I remember Zofar's domain. I remember you, Zofar. Like I was in IRC in 96, or I, I downloaded ZS Nest from your site. And it's just really cool. Um, but then like we can actually talk about the games because back then I didn't get to talk about the games. I talked about the emulators that played the games and I maintained it and I, but I didn't get to play any of them. So now it's like, hey, I appreciate you being here. I hope you enjoy me playing the games poorly, by the way, I might add. I'm not good at video games at all, <laughs> but I enjoy them. I stream a lot of RPGs because it's, it doesn't require as much reaction time. <laughs> But, um, you know, I, I, I'm having a blast. I'm having so much fun. I'm enjoying the banter between me and the community and, the, you know, we'll chat back and forth. So it's almost like it reminds me of the IRC days, um, except they can see me, they can hear me, they can interact with me. If they were so inclined, they can go pop on my Discord chat afterwards and we can talk. We have a little audio channel where we can just talk audio wise. Like it's just it's not you're no longer the spaceless, nameless behind a, a keyboard that no one can see or hear like there's there's much more interaction now so i'm having a lot of fun with it so right now my main focus is around my my game streaming my twitch streaming um there's other things i would like to do so obviously you know you, you found me again through twitter right I'm, I'm active on twitter um i would like to have a youtube presence right now i have a rinky dink channel that there's very little content at all on there um, I would love like the kind of stuff that you do. I would love to do that stuff. Back when I ran Zofar's domain, and you may not remember this because this was very brief. We had a web show before we called them podcasts. I just called it a web show, which was called Zofar's Underworld. It was, you know, it was very short. It was a little silly. It was four episodes is all I ever did of it using real video. Do you remember real video? Of course. <laughs> Gone way back. Um, and it was like the worst quality ever. Like I want to say it was like 40 kilobits a second or some horribly low ridiculous rate that the, the images are like three frames a second but um it was uh, it was a lot of fun for me and so like now the technology exists to be able to the stuff that you're doing like the stuff that i thought about back then but the technology just didn't allow for it i would love to do that stuff but right now i i, I remember vividly that you have to focus if you focus on too many things you're not focusing on anything so right mm. now, main focus is Twitch streaming. I'd like to branch out to YouTube eventually. I still have to temper all of this with my current job because I do. I am still a manager. I do still work for the same company that I've been at for the last 20 years. Um, and so there's, I have a certain amount of time that I can dedicate to this. So I figure, let me see where Twitch streaming takes me. I'd like to do that. I'd like to dabble a little bit in YouTube if I, if I can, if I can find that time to create some cool content, maybe do some reviews, musings, you know, something like that. Um, and then a lot of people have been asking me, believe it or not, about Zofar's domain. Like, hey, we know you, you know, some people d didn't know there was a Zofar. Like, I get that a lot from newer people that found out about the site after I left. They're like, wait a minute, you're, you're a person? Like, you exist? <laughs> I just thought it was the name. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, sometimes I exist. <laughs> but um, people that remember the site are like, hey, would you ever, like, want to get the site back or purchase it or whatever? Um, and what I say to them right now, um, I mean, maybe one day, you know, if Ed decided he wanted to put the thing up for sale, I guess we could have a chat about it. But right now I'm so focused on Twitch and I know if I ever became actively, like really actively involved in the running of Zofar's domain again, uh, it would require a massive time commitment to the exclusion of not just Twitch streaming, which I'm having a blast doing, but it would affect my other jobs. So at that point, we would have to discuss like, all right, I have a family, I have a house and a mortgage and all this stuff. 
So what does that look like? So what's next for Zofar? The answer to that question is right now, I'm loving Twitch streaming. I'd love to have people come and check out my stream, check out my Discord channel. I'd love to chat with you. That's what's next for Zofar. <laughs> I will have links to absolutely all of that for uh, for everybody to connect with you. Um, Appreciate yeah, This is so cool. It was so cool getting to meet you after 25 years or something, more than that now. So it's just what a trip after all this time. And thanks so much for taking the time to do this. This is a blast. No problem. I'm, I'm happy to do so. You're very welcome. And uh, thanks for having me on. I, uh, you know, I, I definitely had a lot of fun talking to you. It was great reminiscing and you just let me know if there's anything you uh, you need from me in the future. I'm always happy to uh, always happy to chat. Same. Anything you need, let me know, and hopefully we could do this again someday. And you know, just uh, catch up with other stuff that we remember. I'm sure. I bet you, modern vintage gamer would love to jump on too. I, I guarantee he remembers all of this as well. So maybe we could just have a hangout session one day and just yeah, uh, be, just shoot tell, the shit about the old tell, days. T- tell him I'd be super happy. He wants to chat. He wants to do a cast. He, anything he wants, tell him I'm I'm there. Same with uh, you know, anyone. Metal Jesus. Like there's so many so many awesome people. Um, I'm happy to talk to anybody that uh, wants to chat. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. I will have links to all of your stuff for everybody. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll do this again soon. Definitely. Thanks so much, Bob.